Enterprise Intelligence is a weekly video series that talks to industry experts, global thought leaders, and seasoned knowledge workers about how they're tackling their information challenges, embracing new technologies, and moving the needle on performance. Hosted by Shiny Docs founder and CEO, Jason Cassidy. Here at AIM, we're still alive, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I'm joined here by Jerry Dubois. He is from CIBC, and Jed Cawthorn. He's from Net Documents, and so we're just going to talk a little bit about the changes in intelligent information management and what we're seeing at the show and what we want to see in our businesses. Jerry, you're a customer. Love you so much. Thank you for that. We've had an evolution since the way we. When we started with the ECM product, an additive product for your open text instance, got to know each other well, and then asked, what else can we do? And the conversation turned to understanding content outside of ECM, and then it evolved into all sorts of amazing things. Is that something that was intuitive when you first started the ECM journey, that we needed to do this extra, or is it something that evolved as part of the program? When you start the ECM journey, you have a defined set of goals that says we're going to capture this sort of document as a record or as a work paper, whatever the case may be. But as you start turning over those layers, you begin to realize that, oh, this goes a lot deeper than just our records. And we have documents from a long time ago. We don't know what their value is because nobody's touched them in a number of years. But we also don't know in a highly regulated situation as the banking industry is, whether it's something we can eliminate just based on chronology. So the analysis tool that Shiny Dots has provided has given us an insight into some of that content. And we expect it to be more and more as we continue to explore that. Yeah, so. Thanks, Jerry. And it's I'm seeing it on the show floor up there. 20 or 30 years ago, it might have been, okay, here's how you do storage and backup. And then 10 years ago, it would be about, here's a new bucket so you can put information in with value like ECMs. And now there's more analytics process automation. Yeah. It seems like people are getting that message that you discovered, Gary. Well, and even on the new information that's being captured, the level of volume that is being captured daily and you know in right in, in the Venn diagram is we've got the excess we've got the records and then there's that area in the middle that mm. nobody has decided is that a record is it excess I need it today will I need it in six years because the regulators are going to ask for it mm. and being able to constantly review that through system learning machine learning is going to be invaluable yeah. So I, I think there's an interesting, I was going to say tension, I'm not sure if it's a tension, but in between the yesterday's keynote where we're talking of the AIM membership about moving the needle for the business, not everything being about regulation and risk. And then this morning, the wonderful speaker who's um, regulatory drivers and how long you've got to keep stuff. But when I worked in a bank, there was also a reason to keep stuff for that long tail of information. Not just because the regulator says so, but because it helps with know your customer or the long analytics of discovering trends and that trend analysis. So I think, I don't know what you guys think, I think that it's been a really interesting 
it's not a dichotomy, but it's two different ends of a spectrum as to why we should keep stuff, why we should know what we're keeping, which is really the crux of the matter. I would agree with that, Jed, and it's... It, recently, I got invited to join the AIM board, and it was on the strength of exactly what you were saying, is the idea of information governance shouldn't be at the end of a barrel. It shouldn't be because you yeah. must do X. It should always work backwards from what's the business value and how is it driving business value yeah. and how can I make the governance a byproduct of the good business work that we're doing yeah. rather than I'm over here doing my governance thing, get out of my way, it, this is important. It reminds me of a Douglas Adams' puddle <laughs> where it's, if you're not familiar with the story, it's where a puddle it becomes sentient and it feels yeah. like it's just perfect for this hole that it's in and it just it's just amazing for this exact existence and it doesn't even realize it as it eventually evaporates away and i think this the same kind of thing happens with certain information governance programs is that it's so perfect in its own we got the crown jewels the organization and we're doing exactly the right thing for them and all that but then there's a board or a ceo who's getting comped on profit, you yeah. know, comped on margin. And they look at that and go, am I accepting the risk of not having perfection in my organization? Check. And next thing, this perfect part of the organization disappears, like Douglas Adams' puddle. Yeah. So I think it's be it becomes our job to align with the business so that we never have that evaporation. But we need to find the balance. And I, th I think that's a key thing, that we don't go too far in any one direction, because we want to drive business value, but Jerry's in a regulated industry. And that documents works a lot with lawyers and the legal industry and regulatory requirements are there. And sometimes they have to be the driver too. And that can absolutely push against the idea of business value. So I think we need to find the balance. And I'm not sure I should say this on camera, but what I've told <laughs> the organization time and again is that information governance is as much an art as it is a science yeah. because knowledge management is out of the scope of information governance from the pure regulatory standpoint. Mm. There is information that is 15 years old, 20 years old. We have clients in our universe that we've had for generations. Yeah. And sometimes we get asked, why did they buy this diamond or car or whatever yep. in 1972? <laughs> and there is information around that is valuable. Absolutely. And it's valuable to the client. The fact that we can provide it means that we provide that value to the client. So our standing with the client steps up. If it was just based on records management, which is where my portfolio is, I may have said before I gained this additional knowledge, oh, you got to get rid of that. Yeah, defensible disposition. You may have said that's 15 years old, we're going to get rid of it. Yep. And then you would have lost that business value. Yes. Yeah. And the client would say, what am I paying you for? Yeah. In that regard. Now, with the privacy regulations that are coming out and all of the risk associated with cyber crimes, yep. we want to explain to them that there is the feature to having that knowledge and then there is the risk to having that knowledge and the dichotomy is there and we've got to find that balance and then of course the internal wisdom that comes from data is very valuable to 
our decision making if we can do that in an anonymized fashion so that it's not attached to yeah. a specific customer with personally identifiable information. Yeah. And that's a challenge too. Yeah. But that's something that I'm expecting that some of the tools that you're providing are going to allow us to do in the future. Yeah, and it's and certainly that is available to you now. You can find uh, abstractly every name, every social insurance number, all of those personally identifiable pieces of information. They come with the models that you've already purchased. But it, it, you're hitting in on the key element is that all of this, what it means to be valuable to the organization is proprietary human knowledge. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to know why they bought a car or a diamond in your case. And so we need to be told, we as the information governance professional need to work with the business unit to say, which one of these are actually valuable for analytics? What do you need to predict in the future? And they're not ready to have that conversation yet. Right. Like, I don't know, keep it all. And it's, so that's an area of development I know for myself, perhaps for all of the IG professionals, is getting better at drawing out of the business these requirements. Yeah. Because then when we get those requirements, the tools actually work. Like mm -hmm. say, yeah, first, boom, we'll find every person's name, we'll redact it, it's going to be completely clean, you can use the analytics tools to verify it, yeah. then you can start being predictive based upon the business requirements. We already have all of that technology. And I don't just mean us. It's in the right. industry, you can assemble a very powerful system to do all of these things. And it's just how do we how do we get the tip of the business to kind of lean in and help us build up I that model? I think that's a key point. How many decades have we talked about bridging the business IT divide? All of them. I might have it on my resume. <laughs> I think I'm very good at bridging the business IT divide and having those conversations. But I think your point that I picked up on is we need to be more integrative. So you mentioned knowledge management. We used to be a member of the conference board of Canada's uh, knowledge management group. And we, you can have endless debates as what is knowledge management? It doesn't matter. Knowledge management is whatever it means to CIBC in your context. But the key thing is to not forget about it and to take that top down kind of approach to do we need to keep this? Why might we need to keep this? How long might we need to keep this? and just have those discussions with the business experts because they are the experts. They're the subject matter experts for their particular line of business. And as the wonderful lady in the keynote said, we have to learn to listen. Attached on that is why do they need it? And again, we get back to the idea of balancing it against the risk of keeping it. Yep. And that risk can be mitigated in the easiest way, and I've said this to you before, no properly eliminated document has ever been breached. But then we lose that knowledge. So then what firewalls can we put around that information that's going to protect it and make it yep. accessible when it needs to be drawn on? And that goes back to back when I was more paper-oriented, and it was always the balance in records management between access yep. and control. And it's still the same case now. We yeah. just replaced we the have warehouses with disk drives. Right, exactly. exactly. And yeah. copies of files and the ability to easily distribute it around the world. And so the risk is greater, the amount of data is greater. However, I think we're on the right track in that we're doing a better job of identifying those records. You would have never, if you didn't have effective cataloging when you would put something in the box, the only way to figure out what's in the box is do the work, reduce the right. entropy. <laughs> yeah. However, now we can automate that process. Go in and find every word on every page on that disk 
so that you can effectively say, I'm confident that we have all of the documents here. Now, IT professional, can you be confident that you've secured it now that I've identified what it is? Yep. So there's a huge, there's power in knowledge and having exactly. this knowledge right now allows you to do things that we could have never done with that box that we kept in the corner yeah. lot. Both of us as vendors with slightly different products that do different things, but we're trying to help the customer achieve the single source of truth. So dedupes, no different versions of files scattered on different drives. You guys can go out and find it. I would say we're very good when you found that single source of truth of keeping it as the single source of truth and allowing you to work with the versions and doing all that good stuff. So the tools are there, but the customer has to do the hard work because Jerry's got to do all that figuring out of his strategy and what he needs to keep and what he doesn't. Right, and the cultural change that has to take place when we have in various groups where they've had this generational relationship with their customers, they've learned over time we have to have everything. And even though if there is in one of the back office groups, they have all those records, we still want them accessible at our fingertips. And that's one of the challenges that we're facing right now is, okay, we're just going to give you a link. Oh no, that's not good enough. We need to have that document. And so we've stopped telling them that it's a link. <laughs> You're going to need to edit that out because it looks the same yeah. on the screen yeah, as the, the document, document name. comes up. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just perception management right. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that, Jerry, because it's, and I love that Peggy in her keynote yesterday said, we were wrong about the idea that we're going to get buy-in. We were wrong about the idea that you need the right executive to see it enforce what's going to happen. And I love that acknowledgement because we've seen it. You've experienced it day in and day out. It's nobody's job at CIBC to be a records manager, but your organization, even though it should be everybody's job to benefit from records management. Yes. So we need to figure out a strategy. Right. That's the cultural shift that we are attempting to make in that the lines of business need to become responsible for their records. In the past, even maybe now, it's, okay, it's a record, so it's records management issue. A records management will tell you from a consultative basis, yeah. here's how you should handle these things. But ultimately, you assign the value, you assign the custodian, you assign all of the administrative things around that particular document, and then we just tell you, because of those rules you set up, Here's how long you should keep it. Yeah, there is, the SMEs have to be responsible. Yep. Yeah. And then we, when we get to that dark data area, which yeah. is where one of the tool we're looking for it to help us quite a bit, the same thing's got to happen. And that's some heavy lift, not from a categorization standpoint, but just give us the rules that you want to go by. Yeah, and once we identify the dark data, like we have identify it in a sense abstractly until you give it a label. If everything is, let's say, a purchase order, we can identify it. Hey, Jerry, these 20,000 documents or 200,000 documents are all the same, but your knowledge or your business's knowledge needs to be applied to that. So that's a purchase order. And these fields here are the ones that are important to us. Yep. And then the model gets developed and boom, it goes, turns from data now to information. And that's the key, the context, adding the context. When I say that's the key, it's, it's, it's the key to answering one of Peggy's questions from yesterday. Do we work with data or do we work with information? We work with both. And we also work with knowledge. 
what steps it along the path? The context, add in the context, the business smarts around that raw data turns it into information. Experts like you with the business experts can then turn it into knowledge that is reusable. But I think I think we as a table have just solved everything that Peggy threw at us yesterday. I think we did. We just got to get the word out enough. And we need to say no to something. I'll tell a story that it's not my story. It's Cheryl Smith's who wrote an amazing book. It's available on Amazon about digital transformation. Mm -hmm. And she's the former CIO at WestJet. Yeah. And she was there when the demand came to IT. CIO, of course, looks after IT. The demand was we need... Wi-Fi on our planes for consumers. That's an IT thing. And she rejected that and said, I, we will provide you the best advice on how to secure that. We will provide you the best advice on how to implement that. And this is a for-profit business element that you need to market, sell, take risk associated with how many people are going to yeah. buy it and take quota associated with how many people are going to buy it. So when you figure all of that out, and we're happy to help, then we can help you, the business, implement Wi-Fi on the planes. Yeah. And that blew the business's mind because I feel like a lot of IT organizations say, I, the business comes and says, I need you to do this with data. And the IT goes, well, I guess data's ours, so yeah. we, we'll go up. We'll try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they light a lantern and then go back <laughs> into the dark room and see if they can figure it out. <laughs> and if we think about it in terms of Cheryl Smith's Wi-Fi example, I love the pushback quickly saying, yeah. you got some so homework to do. Thing. Here's all of the homework you need to do. We're happy to help. We agree. This is part of our mantra to help you with this. But it's not our product. This is not our solution to deliver and make profit for the organizations. Because you've got to think of it as a product. Mm -hmm. It was a product for them to sell to their passengers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so all right. those records that you described, whether it's the, the typical mortgage application or anything like that, I, or if it's that specific example of the diamond or the car that somebody purchased, this is an asset that has business value. And yep. yeah, the question is, isn't, hey, Jerry, why didn't you give me all the business value? The question should be, okay, what, hey, business, you know how to run your business. What are you willing to take quota on so that then I can fuel you with the right data? That's, it just inverts the problem, and all of a sudden, we're not the bad guy anymore. Now... <laughs> They're the person who has some homework that's going to have to draw it out of us. And yeah. I think we're seeing more and more organizations develop their data management groups to be able to ask those questions. And Peggy mentioned it in the keynote yesterday is that what problem are you trying to solve? Yep. Ask the right question. And from there, okay, that means we need to collect these data elements for you. And even when we collect the data elements, we're not going to interpret them. We're just going to give them to you in a fashion that you can understand what they mean. Yep. So whether it's demographics around where are we making the most loans or whether it is just how many loans did we do last year and are they going up or going down, all of that's good data. But the business has to say what it's useful for and how long is it going to be useful versus getting stale. And again, none of this is new, right? Certainly for Jason, I'm not sure about your background, Jerry, but when a customer or a business team comes to you and says, I want A, my answer is, what problem are you trying to solve? Because what solves your problem might be B, but they'll come along because they think they've figured it out and I want A. No, I don't care what you want. 
I want to know what the problem is that you're trying to solve. When we were first, and I was working in the warehouses in the paper industry, and we were starting to offer a digitization service, one of the first slides that I produced for a presentation was, don't give them what they want, give them what they need. Yeah. So you have to ask those questions. What are you trying to get to? Yeah. Because in some cases, we didn't want them to digitize it because the paper was only going to last seven years. You stick it in a warehouse, and that's 20 bucks to store it. And then it's going to go away. And then it's gone. And the information wasn't of any value. But then, of course, the longer-term relationships, not that you didn't want to stick it in the warehouse or you needed to review it every two months or something, the price went up. But again, it goes back to not what do they want because our customers, internal and external, all have tunnel vision. And they're only trying to solve today's problem, which I don't blame them for because no. they've got to get through their day. Yeah. But long term, what's sustainable? What information can we give you that's going to have value over the course of years versus the course of weeks? That, it reminds me of the enterprise software dilemma that started at the beginning of the web back in between 1993 and let's say 2003 everybody built a platform and every customer on that platform would say i'm a unique flower i need you to customize ah, yes. the jesus out of this particular whether it's <laughs> a my need yeah mm -hmm. sharepoint or an open text or your sap and everybody had these frankenstein systems <laughs> and then they went through oh my next upgrade is going to cost me the same amount as the implementation or more and then now in 2022 generally customers are are more experienced and they'll say tell me what i can do out of the box without the gnarly customization exactly so i think we need the business user to think that same way now as yeah. it professionals we've learned that you don't want to just give the customer exactly what they want you need to identify what is sustainable help the customer understand what is sustainable yep. and say this is why we're implementing it to you so the big why matters more than the what as to yeah. what you're going to deliver for and, them but it was hard one experience for the it industry oh yeah we that we've struggled to come to that conclusion and now we need to help our business colleagues understand the same problem from their perspective yeah and it's and is it a i think business users too are we are perceiving it either as we're being lazy maybe or, and we're not answering their question or they don't want to lower their standards. And I, I think of a good example that mm. might be anecdotal, but you hear stories of Ford was selling so many cars in the early years that they had so many orders that they couldn't actually figure out how many cars that they sold to be able to pay taxes. So they identified the average value of a sale and then they weighed their orders, right. literally physically the mass of their orders, divided that by how much the average order per pound was and that's how much they paid taxes on. Obviously very lossy, it's not precise and I have a feeling like that's something that the business users of today per perceive is they're like, I want perfect AI that's going to give me this exact answer. And we come back and say, we can give you something predictive that's going to be about 60% effective, which is yeah. going to inform you, but you have to make a decision. They're like, nah, yeah, I stupid. And it's, I don't know, 60% is pretty good. And the more you use it, it'll get better and better. Yeah. And if you don't start doing it now and your competitor's doing it, they'll be miles ahead of you in 10 years. Yeah. It's a tough discussion. So is it... Perfect is the enemy of the good enough. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So is there a sense that 
your business user doesn't want to lower their standards to your the thing that you propose to them? I think that it's more an understanding of what is possible. Sure. Within, if you have unlimited resources, unlimited budget, yes, you can get to that perfection. And then when you acquire the next company, you're right back in square one because yeah. they're doing something else and you oh, didn't build yeah. something that was is sustainable. Yeah. So it's looking, again, beyond today's need to what's going to be the need in 2025 or whenever. That's a fantastic point because you've got everything just sorted. You think you've got it how you need it and then mergers and acquisitions happen and now you've got to integrate another 200 people and thousands of documents. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get asked, why didn't you think of this? <laughs> Trust me, I thought of this. <laughs> I even put it in the proposal, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah, yeah. Best laid plans of mice and men mm -hmm. and all that, yeah. Exactly. So what's left at the show for everybody to do? I know I'm really interested in doing the the meetup sessions where we mm -hmm. talk about particular things. There's an M365 one this afternoon, which would be interesting. There's women in technology, one that'll be a lot of fun. What else are you going to do at the show, Jerry? Well, we're going to talk to a few of the other vendors. Actually, I have my favorites. And then sit in some of the roundtables to get a better understanding for some of the problems that other groups are facing and seeing what we can glean from that from a best practice perspective and then of course just interacting with the co or additional records and information governance people and just making new relationships yeah there's always so. a value in hearing other people's war stories now I've got a session this afternoon for net documents which is going to be entertaining because my demand gen manager thought it would be an awesome idea if we did a Dungeons and Dragons theme and seeing as I am a medieval reenactor outside of work, I've brought some dressing up. So I'm going to do it in costume. And we have dice and we're going to make people throw. And, but honestly, it really is about information governance yeah, and information sure. security. But it should be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing your character card at the end of it to see how highly ranked. I know you'll be 18 in wisdom for sure. Bless you. Well, it's uh, one of the things that I've learned having done this for 25 years is that if you don't make it fun, yeah, when people see you coming, their eyes roll into the back of their heads and they <laughs> just say, all right, I can't talk about records again or anything else. So uh, find a new angle yeah, on it. Exactly. People will retain more because they'll remember, oh, remember the guy dressed up as a knight <laughs> and he talked about this and... Yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. We'll yeah. see. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of the show, and thanks uh, for talking thank you. today. It was great. Thank you, great. Jason. Jerry? It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.